Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Day two of the World Endurance Championship prologue ahead of season eight and the 2019-2020 campaign is set to be held in pretty much perfect conditions. Not a cloud in the sky here at Circuit de Catalunya, Barcelona and temperatures uh, set to rocket to 32 degrees Celsius today. So it is sweltering just out in a short in shorts and T-shirt, but uh, obviously an awful lot warmer nearing 40 possibly even 50 degrees inside these racing cars 30 of them have assembled in this part of northeastern Spain ahead of the uh, event that you are contractually obliged to attend if you are down as a full season season entrant to season 8 of course there were initially 33 cars announced on the Friday of Le Mans last month but SMP Racing will not be part of the LMP1 category and another car as well we have lost since then but there are two rebellions here two rebellion R13s there are two Toyotas back again to defend their world crown and indeed their Le Mans victory to potentially make it three in a row next summer and there are two Junettas here, so that will please many British fans, I'm sure. Junetta were entrants into last year's uh, WEC and obviously appeared at Le Mans in 2018, uh, but not to any great success. But they are back with a new engine supplier and a lot of new, actually, down at Team LNT for the new five and six cars. They've been evolved even though they are not brand new chassis but I hope to uh, head down to Janetta during this program actually to find out a little bit from Lawrence Tomlinson and those that have been driving those particular machines so that's LMP1 six cars fingers crossed for Silverstone although uh, Rebellion looking like they will just turn up now with the single car entry and possibly if there is interest from drivers uh, increase that to two later on in the campaign LMP2 looking very healthy indeed and also highly competitive it has to be said so we'll uh, take a trip down to United Autosports who are at the beginning of their very first WEC season uh, Racing Team Nederland cool racing making the step up from GTs and from LMP2 LMP2 P3s rather into the P2 category to World Endurance Championship level. Jackie Chan DC Racing are back as are Jota High Class Racing, Chetelar Racing, the Velorba Corsa um, outfit, and Tech Alpine Elf as they will be known for the new season car number 36. So there are plenty of people to chat to. We'll also hopefully grab a word with the uh, new. WEC drivers world champions in the GTE category GT Pro won by Kevin Estra and Michael Christensen so it'll be great to uh, have a, a catch up with either one of those guys to see what they make of a brand new Porsche just launched last month at Goodwood and this is the first public test session 
that it will have had. So um, eager to find out what that is like around this circuit de Catalunya-Barcelona. Conditions splendid. Two four-hour sessions on the bill for today. One of them is an evening session starting at five o'clock and through through until nine, so pretty much into dusk. Very atmospheric. Good to see pl- plenty of uh, locals turning out as well to see these cars ahead of their official first race, which will be at Silverstone and will be fully covered here, of course, on the Radio Show Limited Network. Myself, Johnny Palmer, along with others, will be there at Silverstone for that three-day event, a four-hour ELMS race on the Saturday, and then the first race of the WE season will be the four hours of Silverstone on the Sunday so do stay with me and we'll go and tour the paddock to see who we can find the FIA World Endurance Championship my first port of call in LMP2 in that their part of the paddock is uh, United Autosports because United Autosports long been connected with ACO rules racing but Richard Dean can finally say now welcome to the WEC for the first time yeah thank you it seems uh a big step for us in terms of where we came from only a few years ago, LMP3 and GT before that. But, yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad we put a programme together. We're excited for it. And it, it, we're sort of ticking off the landmarks here because it was your 300th race weekend just gone for ELMS. And I'm all right in thinking now that the team is 10 years old, established in 2009. 2009, the first race though that we did was 2010. Okay. So, uh, company established 2009, but I think we're going to use the first race as the landmark for how old we are. So, next year will be our 10th anniversary. And it's uh, a single car, but looking like a very competitive class. Um, obviously, there's, there's been an awful lot of stories going around about United Autosports. I think it's probably better to focus on the process rather than the politics of it all. But can you talk me through the, the chronology of? of how we've ended up with a new car, a very new car for you, when you've always been associated with Ligiers? Um, well, obviously, you know, we're coming up to the start of the WEC. We haven't got to the first race yet, but we needed to get to this uh, two-day test here at the Prologue with whatever car we're going to stick with for the course of the season. And, yeah, you know, we, we, we our first two years have been with Ligier. We started our third season in the LMS with Ligier, Um we came up against the WEC teams at Le Mans, and uh, I think we felt that we executed a pretty good race at Le Mans, and uh, we've got the same driver lineup that at Le Mans as we're going into the full season of WEC with, um, and uh, I've got every confidence in the in the in the drivers and full belief in in the team, but we got a little bit outclassed in pure pace. I don't think we could have executed the race much better. I don't think there was much left there so uh, it was a difficult race to watch on the monitors and sector times and it just looked like pure pace so if I've got belief in the drivers there was only really one question mark um, and that was on the on the chassis so we thought we won't know until we we try it wasn't an easy decision we've got a great relationship with with Ligier but we're, we're here to win um, we wanted to give ourselves and the drivers absolutely the best chance to compete um, and we got an awful, an awful lot of catching up to do with the teams who have had the Orica for three, four, three and a half years, and um, so we thought we needed to make that change pretty quick. And the decision after Le Mans came quick, so because we could make use of these two days here at Barcelona. You're almost forced into making that decision rapidly because the prologue so early on in the year prior to the next season. And I know Gerard Nevers made some suggestion that next year ahead of Hypercar, actually the prologue's going to be a lot closer to round one. But, I mean, that's just circumstances. You, you had to make a decision fast. Yeah, and, you know, it 
create some problem because uh, it came around pretty quick after Le Mans. Um, but in some ways, now that we've got through it and it was three weeks of, of hard work and uh, finding a car and getting it built and getting it here and getting it liveried and getting it presented at Scrutineering and get the team geared up and kit and equipment and spares, all of that, but now it's done, I'm quite gr- glad that we have got a, a gap now to catch our breath and um, you know get the car back into the workshop. It's not actually been back at base yet this car um, everything's been done here as the car was delivered um, and it's come from the US J- JDC Miller car no this is a brand new car it's a brand new car from Oregon okay. this is a brand new car we have bought the JDC Miller cars and they're on the way uh, to the workshop but we will start the the WEC with this with this new car so the first question is how did the team find all of a sudden working on a completely different bit of kit does it come with its own instruction manual yeah, well they come with a homologation book courtesy the, of the ACO and FIA um, which definitely helps um, you know there's an awful lot of common parts and Gibson engine etc um, but you know this is the Orica as an extract gearbox and we've got a Hewland on the Ligier and design and processes and ways of working are, are quite different the guys are still finding their way around the car but you know it sets up the same you know the targets to the, the same that we we're working it on the same tires um and uh, yeah you know they've learned pretty quickly we, we this was a brand new car as we say and we've built it so the as they built it they've, they've found the way around it the guys obviously it's, it's a big decision to make um the, the things i read suggest it's customer-led now, I take that as it's, it's Phil Hansen's decision, or, or he had some part of it. Or are you looking at potential future clients who may see your results in an Orica and go, hey, let's get with United Autosports? Uh, no, you're wrong. It wasn't Phil Hansen's decision at all. Uh, when I said it was customer-led, that's uh, the weight of uh, inquiries that we get for LMP2 all have been saying the same thing you know we like the team we like what we see you've got some good quality people in the team from the engineering team managers you know right through to all our organization the way we present ourselves and the question mark has always been from uh, drivers who have been inquiring with us the question mark has always been over the car and the chassis that we were with so i wasn't talking about a specific customer i was talking about a general weight um People want to drive an Orica. You know, I'd like to put that in a nicer way for Ligier. We've got an awful lot of time and respect and relationship with them has been fantastic. But the, the hard truth of it is that people want to drive an Orica, and that's what I mean by customer-led. Thank you for clearing that up. That's why it's always good to come and talk to you in person. Um, and your relationship now with, with Jack Nicolet is, is healthy. Obviously, you were the Ligier uh, dealer in the UK and that's had to come to an end but but going out of that relationship everything is, is still well and, and you're keeping discussions going well, when we made the decision internally to switch to an Orica the first person I had to call I knew I had to call was, was Jacques we'd had a great relationship and as you say with, with Ligier UK agents for every car that they produce from LMP2 down and um, I, I knew the consequences of the call I knew that there was a very good chance that they would say you cannot represent Ligier and drive a race, your race team race a, a competitor's product so respect that decision um, the relationship we've had with them has been fantastic over three years, we've had lots of success in LMP2 and LMP3 and hopefully 
we'll continue to have a lot of success with them in LMP3. Because um, the commitment is still there, I think I'm right in saying, for, for LMP3. So Ligier is the chosen chassis in that, in that uh, department because we've got four brand new chassis coming, haven't we, for next season? Yeah, you know, we, I mean, clearly we're now not tied like we were, but we've made a commitment to, to, the, to the cars and it's going to be interesting to see as all four cars come out. Nobody's really seen what Ginetta or Adesse or even Norma's upgrade's going to be. But we have seen the Ligier. I like what I see and that's why we made the commitment. That still, still stands. Um, but, you know, your question about relationship with Jacques and I, Jacques was here in this hospitality suite that we are now sat in having lunch with me over the weekend and um, you know the, the measure of the man that you're dealing with there who said to me I know it, it, it's, it's disappointing the decision but we under, he understands why we've taken it um, and he said that he hoped that we go on and win races in the World Endurance Championship and, and go and win the World Championship because he said his very words were he he felt that we uh, deserved it as a as a team, so you know it was really nice for for him to take it that way, and and that that's sort of really what's been attra- attracted us closer and closer together as a partnership, United Autosports and Ligier, and why we work so well together. And this is a chance, like Le Mans has been, to get your three linchpin drivers all in the same car at the same time now, but for eight races rather than just the one. Um, Paul the rest of Phil Hansen, Asian Le Mans Series champions. Uh, Albuquerque and Hansen won two ELMS races last year. It was the short and spa one, and then the full length uh, Algarve one. So, you know, it, it, you must be high in anticipation after <laughs> this season ahead because it, it's a lot of work, I realise, and a lot more logistics to think about, but potentially very exciting. Yeah, great lineups, and, and they get on really well together. And, you know, Phil, as you know, World Endurance Championship dictates you have to have a FIA silver grade driver in the car you know Phil's still young he's he's only been racing I think this is his fifth year ever um, you know it's, it's, a, it's remarkable he's doing a world championship having never sat never got a race license till five years ago already done three Le Mans at his age of 19 done three Le Mans youngest ever finisher at Le Mans as you quite rightly say, he is now he's an Asian Le Mans champion in LMP3. Uh, won the LMP2 championship outright. Won two races in the European Le Mans. He's definitely ready, and his performances here at the WEC Prologue um, were hugely impressive yesterday. Uh, Albuquerque, really for us, you know, three and a half years we've been with him. He is the sort of uh, you know linchpin of the team. Is the, the 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 glue that brings it all together. He motivates everybody. He's massively experienced. Um, everybody loves him in, in the team, and he delivers on track. and And Paul, quality driver that probably deserves to still be in Formula One. We all know how tough that is to to stay in there if opportunities are not there. It's not not a reflection on your driving ability. Paul, I'm sure, will be doing a great job in in there. So the fact that he's been unlucky not to keep a Formula 1 driver as uh, our good fortune because here he is with us and if he, he decides to make a career here in sports cars I think you're going to see what he's capable of in the World Endurance Championship And finally the, the eagle eyed of those of us looking at entry lists have spotted that the, your flag has changed for this season because it's the Union flag now rather than the Stars and Stripes I think you're still a, an American Anglo affair um, but that's good heading to a, your home race effectively for the first round of the year Yeah um, 
you know, Zach Brown and I own this team, United, and he's American, I'm UK. Initially, we started out with a uh, American entrance license, and we, we kept that. Um, we decided to, to change it this year. You know, our base is in, in Yorkshire, as you know. We've still got uh, our, our feet in a, a base at Andretti's in Indianapolis that we use. We've got kit and equipment out in the States, but really... You know the heart of the team and the whole operations, everything that we run from Asia in America really starts out in the UK. So we felt it was appropriate to change that. Um, most of the team are British, and as you say, it'd be nice to go to Silverstone flying the British flag on the car for the first time. Good stuff. Really looking forward to seeing how you get on, and all the best for the brand new season. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Staying at United Autosports, uh, I've got the opportunity to grab uh, Phil Hansen now. Um, Still, I think, the, the youngest ever finisher at Le Mans. We, we had that conversation about you and Julian Andlauer, born on the same day, but you were born a little later in the day, I think, yeah, so you, is, you, can, yeah. you can hold that record. These are exciting times. I mean, it's been fun to watch your progress through GTs in ACO racing, up into uh, LMP2, and, and, and now into you know, the world endurance championship level of LMP2. you excited? Yeah, I am. Um, obviously, having experienced a little bit of the, the taste of what the world endurance championship brings at Le Mans, Yes. with the combined European grid and the wet grid in some respects. So uh, I've experienced it at the yes. biggest race um, and experienced the European series, so I don't think it's going to be too different. It's just some of the tracks will be new for me this year. And some very good tracks as well. I think all of them are grade one, with the exception of possibly Sebring, but otherwise they're Grand Prix tracks. Um, I mean, Sebring's its own beast, yeah. really. Um, but when again with your Asian Lamont experience, I guess you've raced Fuji in Shanghai already, have you? Yeah, I've now raced Fuji twice and Shanghai once, which I think, in the grand scheme of things, although it wasn't all the time, it wasn't planned from the beginning. I think doing the Asian Lamont series was a perfect final little bit needed before moving into WEC, just so you maximise your chances for a one-season proper go at winning the championship. You, you know, the more experience you can have at the circuits you're going to visit, uh, the better, especially when they're in the Far East. And how long has this season been in, in, in the pipeline, if you like? Because you don't just sort of stumble across the WEC. I, I, I can probably identify the seasons leading up to it as, as you know, your route into it and the ideal preparation. But, I mean, how many gears have you been targeting this? Um, I think WEC's always been on the agenda ever since Le Mans was completed. So once we did our first Le Mans, when I won the Asian Le Mans series back in LMP3 and we got our entry, that was then... I mean, you always go to Le Mans wanting a good result, but for your first ever Le Mans, the main uh, goal is to is to finish the race. So once we did that, we, I mean, I had a change of teams, which brought a lot more experience, a lot um, more professionality to my career, and then, uh, yeah, and then once we've uh, once we basically once we finished Le Mans, we just always knew what the level was like in WEC, and also the media attention helps the driver yes. especially trying to make your name in, in a sport it's very important to, to be in the pinnacle championship of the sport and obviously WC offers an awful lot more reach than, uh, than, a, than I always call a local championship but I mean it's still sort of across a continent a European thing but you, you are now talking globally and this is a big deal yeah it is exactly and when you have the FIA branded championship as well it helps yes. um, it is a big deal at the same time, like I said, the competition I think is something I've experienced before with uh, Le Mans, so it's it's going to be interesting. But I don't think it's going to be too dissimilar to what I've been experiencing the last year. 
I think it's fair to say that uh, knowing one or two of your uh, mechanical crew, engineers, that uh, Le Mans last month, you really did maximise the, the equipment that you had at your disposal, i.e. the Ligier. And you know, to be able to give the required amount to actually win that class, a chassis change was perhaps the only option, and that's what you've gone with. That's what the team have gone with. Yeah, I think now seeing... I mean, even from after Le Mans, I think you you need to look at the facts and I do think we explored every avenue to perfect the car we've worked uh, with a team United have worked on it for two years I've been working with the programme for for a bit less than that but even still to see all the effort that the guys put in all the development that you can do within the regulations and even trying to explore different avenues in the loopholes but there's there's only so much you can do once a car's homologated it's homologated so you really just have to put the time in testing and uh, you know po- uh, six post rigs all that sort of stuff to try and maximise the areas you think you can work on and I think that United have done the best job possible with the equipment we had and like you said a completely clean race at Le Mans apart from our one drive through and uh, little issue with the, the door I think it was uh, the perfect race but even the last two races before the net, credit to United Autosports for um, for having completely clear races. Apart from our incident or Paul's crash at two years ago, the year before that they had the clean race. They had the perfect race, which was, you know, it's kind of hard. Normally, when you have the perfect race at Le Mans, that's the winning. That's the winning race. That's the winning car. So, I think even there you can probably look back and say the car wasn't up to it. But it's hard to it's hard to switch cars. You know, there's so much set around the car. You have all the equipment, all the spares, all the infrastructure in the team. So it's not an easy decision. And unfortunately, it's taken two years now. But there's been a few changes along the way that have kind of stuttered our decision making because we we've been hopeful and we've been anticipating bigger deltas, or smaller deltas with uh, with the Oracle through changing to Michelin and the update that Lucia got. So we're here now and. Uh, We'll see how quickly we can get hold of it and get used to the new car. But, um, yeah, I think definitely Le Mans at least, we should be a lot closer. Was yesterday the first time you've actually driven an Orica then? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a pretty good experience. Um, I'm not going to say too much yet because we've only just got the car and I don't want to jinx anything. But it was was very different. I think the one thing that anyone that has driven both will understand is that they're completely polar opposite setups. So with one... That you, the thing you struggle for is secure with the other okay. so um, yeah it's from a balance point of view yeah balance point of view okay. balance a complete balance shift which also makes the tyre deck and everything a bit easier I think in the Oracle but, um, but again we're going to have to get ahead around the setup because I think it's it's all in well that we, we came here and we were quickest yesterday but as we saw today the other guys have caught up and uh especially some of the teams that weren't here racing. So in, in some ways, it was very different for us, but all the drivers were pretty attuned to the track. Me and Philippe had been here all weekend, so um, so there was an advantage there. But we're going to have to see how the season goes. I think we're going to only, as a team's perspective, learn more and, and go better. Whether people are stronger at other tracks because of their experience with the Oracles there, we'll have to see. Can there be more testing between now and Silverstone for the car? I think there's a six-day ban or something, or right. six-day six testing. I honestly don't know. So. Ah, I think I think it's six or five okay. or seven, something around there. Okay. Um, I don't think there will be any more testing. I think the team has a lot of logistical stuff to sort out, and the cars need to be prepped because if, essentially this was our shakedown, which you know isn't ideal because you don't have a lot of spares. I was experienced today when I you know clipped a GT and damaged a dive plane. 
Um, luckily, we have dive planes and things like that, but still, there's a lot of things that need to be done to help set up and things like that. Like I said, when you when you have a car for two years, you really do focus all the attention around that manufacturer, and you get all the equipment needed for for that one car. So when you switch cars and a lot of the things aren't compatible between the two manufacturers, uh, you need to start from scratch, from ground ground zero, basically. And just a final word on your driving colleagues for the future season. Two guys you know very well, Paul DeResta and Philippe Albuquerque. I can't imagine that was a very difficult decision to get those two on board for the for your WEC campaign. Yeah, I mean, I, I shared the car with Philippe for a while now, and Paul was someone that's kind of been in and out with me and Philippe, um, or with me actually more than Philippe, throughout the last two seasons. Having raced in America in Sebring and uh, Watkins, I, I got to know Paul's speed and his... You know, consistency is, is unbelievable, but show it, so it should be after uh, I don't know how many year career. I think a fifteen year career with Mercedes. You know, um, F one being the pinnacle of it. I think any F one any driver that can hold his own in F one for over a season deserves some sort of credit, um, especially back then when the cars were a lot closer. So I think he, you know, to do what to accomplish what he has in his career is phenomenal, and it's not over yet. We won a world championship to try and win, um, and yeah, and Philippe. I don't know if there's uh, anyone better. I mean, both of them are platinum graded drivers. They're at the top of their game in endurance racing. I think they've got all the experience. When experience matters more in endurance style championship as opposed to single seater racing, probably. Um, so they're probably you know the the best cut drivers for this sort of thing at their age and at their experience. Good stuff. Well, exciting times at United Autosports. I know that the season feels like a long way off, but Silverstone will arrive very, very quickly, and we wish you well for the, for the brand-new campaign. Yeah, thanks a lot. Cheers. Toyota Gazoo Racing are back for the 2019-2020 season of the WEC for kind of a, a last hurrah of the TSO50 before we move on to the somewhat unknown world of hypercar, I suppose, in 12 months' time. Uh, Mike Conway is with me, again, back as part of the lineup for the number seven. Uh, your lineup hasn't changed, actually, so it's Kami Kobayashi and Jose Maria Lopez once again. Can I, first of all, congratulate you on just a killer stint at the start of Le Mans, where you just romped away, and I have to say, every other time you were in the car as well, you really did impress us. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, car felt really, really good, really hooked up in the race, and yeah I could just push flat out at the beginning and not risk anything too much and yeah I mean lap time surprised me when I saw the first few come up and then once I saw low 17 I was like just tried a little bit harder and popped in the 17 too so that was nice um but yeah yeah car felt good all the way through in the night got a bit more difficult but um yeah every time I got in the car I felt like I had enough to extend the gap every time um but yeah just such a shame really how it ended but uh yeah it's hard to get over that one but um, I mean yeah what can you do I mean we've had it before with the sister car where they've had you know something on the last lap so that was pretty pretty gutting as well so yeah um, last year of the car so a few updates with the aero side uh, again a few few gains so, so that's good and then um, yeah I mean it's last full year of, of this car and yeah it's proper car you know it's lots of fun to drive good grip good power the four-wheel drive is is proper and yeah we're going to miss it you know come the hypercars are going to be a good chunk slower good chunk heavier Mm. and yeah it's going to be quite a different car so um yeah definitely have enjoyed driving this car from the outset the different iterations of it from the you know the capacitor um to the first installment of the battery and then you know the upgrades from there on so 
different specs of the motors and all that stuff that we've had um, the V8s and the V6 so yeah seen quite a few changes and um, it's been a lot of fun so uh, yeah enjoy the last year of it and and then a new era as you say so looking forward to that and what it will be and especially more manufacturers and and so on hopefully more in the future one little final question about Le Mans if I may because we have a guy called Paul, Trus- Paul Truswell who is a sort of statistician guy he stays up all night he's got all timing systems coming out of his ears and they wow. are crunching data constantly um, prior to the the double stop with the puncture which mm. was righted but then wasn't righted because mm-hmm. it, was, it was still down there was a stint of only six laps that Paul and I are sort of scratching our heads about because all of a sudden he had on his system a 17 lap stint which he can't do and he drilled down and worked out there was a I think it was when Kobayashi was in the car might actually be a question for him rather than you but it was 11 laps, 6 laps then 11 laps and then the puncture problem can you throw any light on that? Uh, No I didn't know about that to be honest you weren't in the car at the time so you may have been otherwise engaged Well, to be honest, I was trying to not watch the TV at all. In the, <laughs> after I got out of my last stint, I didn't want to look at the TV. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, normally it's 11 laps that we normally run. But I was just trying to think at the end there what uh, what happened. Safety cars or on something, but I don't know. I don't think anything was going on. It, just sort of, it came in unannounced, and whether the TV picked up on it, I don't know. But Al Kamel show to this day a pit stop uh, oh yeah I guess towards the end you know you're you're making sure your strategy is right for the last couple of stops so you'd want to you'd be doing full stints for the last two so maybe we we're shortening the other ones because we had a brand new set of tyres to use for the last you know four stints and uh, yeah unfortunately one lap in uh, we've got a puncture so yeah sometimes you do that towards the end you're shooting a stint or yeah, it's just a bit safer, I guess, as well in the end because you're you're minimising doing long, long runs on on one set of tyres. Um, uh, conspiracy theories run awry, unfortunately, but I, I do still feel like the seven car hasn't had the luck so far that it has deserved. Uh, you know, your pace at Le Mans last month is is one reason for that. Um, this has to be a good year for the seven. Do you not, do you not think going into nineteen twenty? Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, we've got good me- momentum behind us at the moment, so just got to continue that on. You know, we all did a great job as a crew and driver lineup. Um, but yeah, just unfortunately got away. Uh, some some silly mistakes with the sensors being connected wrong and, and so on. But um, was that related to your crash with Gonzalez earlier on in the weekend? Uh, it was a new, basically, well, I mean, a new- we changed the car. Yeah, the chassis was damaged, so we did have to change the car. But. Um, still shouldn't shouldn't happen so uh but you know we're all we all make errors i guess um it can happen but uh yeah i mean it didn't help but then that was just something that that happened you know that could have happened to any any of the other guys so yeah it's unfortunate but um yeah the new the guys did a great job putting it all back together just Mm. unfortunately uh it wouldn't have really happened actually because we do a tear down anyway after all the testing and then things are put back on the car before on the Friday the so yes yes, I don't think it should have really had much an effect there and we go into a new season uh, with, with the equivalence of technology changing a great deal because all of a sudden 14 kilos on your car you can't do 11, sta- 11 laps at Le Mans anymore it's going to yeah. be 10 you're going to be the same as the other LMP1s I mean that's great for us because it effectively yeah. 
equalises the field. What's the feeling at Toyota about it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an adjustment, you know, from what we ran at Le Mans, how the car felt, to adding, you know, it's effectively like 20-odd, 23, 24 kilos. So from where we were, like Silverstone this time last year. So, uh, yeah, it definitely feels heavy. Car feels heavier. You know, it's a good chunk of weight. Is that both through change of direction and also acceleration out of corners? Yeah, it's more the handling of the car. Acceleration feels, yeah, a little bit more delayed, I guess. Um, But yeah, more handling in the corner. Uh, Braking entry is where you'll feel that weight. So um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting how the year unfolds. If we win the first couple of races, instantly going to get the penalty. Um, And uh, yeah, it makes things harder, especially in traffic when you're trying to get around traffic. You know, the rebellion we've already seen today, you know, they're right there and they're actually quicker than us, sector one and two. Right. It's only sector three here where we're quicker, which is where we have a lot of boost off the last corner. So already it's made an impact and um, yeah, just something we're going to have to adjust to. And yeah, we'll definitely see some, I guess they'll be winning some races, I'm sure. Maybe if maybe mid season. Right. Yeah. They do all right, yeah. But it, it means that the practice sessions at the start of every weekend are going to be so important because you'll then run with the the success. What do they call it? Not ballast, but success perform success performance yeah. type. You so know. it could be ballast or or some adjustments with the yeah. the EOT. So but that will be run in free practice, so that'll give you an idea of where you may yeah, be able to do overtake yeah, people know straight away. Um, and then yeah, you're able to adjust in throughout the weekend on on what you might need but yeah I mean it can put you in a corner where you're just stuck with it for the weekend so and then uh, eventually gets reset yes mm. interesting times well as I say great for us fans mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it to be seen. But, but then again it was it, it was a conversation that everybody was involved in, in terms of all the manufacturers and the entrance you know with the ACO and the FIA and this yeah. is a this is a kind of joint decision isn't it mm. yeah yeah I think it was one of the ideas as well from um, Pascal, I think he was all for the idea. So yeah, I mean, if they all agree on it, it's a good thing. Agree, it's good, nice to agree for a change or something. <laughs> yeah, true, it's rare in these days. Uh-huh. Um, great to have you back. Any news on a lineup for Hypercar? Twelve months on. Uh, what does your contract say right now? I uh, can't really comment too much on that, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the new era. So, would you be interested in driving the cars? Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. I want to stay with Toto. You know, it's been a, a nice journey so far with the team, and and I want to win them on. Uh, whether it's in the zero fifty or in the new hypercar, you know, it's still one that I want to win, and I'll keep keep pushing for that. Keep going with those fantastic lap times, Mike Conway. Thanks very much. Yeah, mate. Appreciate that. Rebellion Racing next, and Nathaniel Berton joins me now. Um, you're kind of continuing the relationship, at least for this weekend with Rebellion Racing, because three races it was the back end of last season. You joined them for Sebring for the thousand mile race into the night there, then the six hours of Spa, and uh, and then Le Mans too. So I don't think we've had any drivers officially announced yet from Rebellion, but um, you've got to be in the fray, you would think. You've got to be in the hunt for a drive for the new year. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I really like this this team. I really like uh, the car. And, uh, and obviously, I would love to stay here. Uh, so it's not uh, it's not my call, no. unfortunately. But uh, well, I always do my best. I'm uh, 200% uh, focused on it all the time. And uh, we will see. I think uh, the team will take a decision in one week or two. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I heard something about the 2nd of August, maybe, is a deadline from the ACO that driver announcements should be made. Is that tally with you? Perhaps. I have no idea. But maybe that's why they say it's going to be soon. 
Uh, and Rebe- Rebellion will obviously make it uh, well known through social media and Facebook and all that. What you know, the driver lineup they go with. Yeah, Rebellion is always mega on the marketing side and communication. So um, for sure, they will do something big as usual. I hear at the moment it is one car for Silverstone, and then we see where we go beyond that. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, well, this is what I heard, um, like you said. And uh, but honestly, I don't know much about uh, the number of cars. I hope it's going to be two cars, mm. obviously. But uh, if it's only one, uh, then it's like that. I mean, uh, the team is still continuing, which is a good news. Yes. So yeah, let's see. And the promising thing as far as the privateers in LMP1 is concerned is this complete change in the equivalence of technology, which means, first of all, the Toyotas are heavier before we start the season, 14 kilograms heavier. And then there is the chance that it will change if Toyotas start to win races. They will be compromised into the next races. Yes, uh, this is something I think uh, Kalim from Rebellion pushed a lot for because uh, obviously everybody wants uh, more close racing. Mm. And uh, let's, uh, it's, uh, it's always good when, uh, when you have a kind of uh, sports, let's say, and a fair battle. So um, Toyota is definitely much faster than anybody else. So this is a way to help a little bit uh, LMP1 uh, privateers, as you said, like us. But, uh, but again, I don't know if it's going to be enough. I don't know if it's too much or whatever. Uh, it's, it's, it's never too much anyway. No, of course. <laughs> well, from a, we are all fans at the end of the day. We want to see a good race. We don't want to just keep turning up for a WEC race and see a Toyota 1-2 for eight races because that's not exactly. fascinating anymore. We want definitely a good show. It's what everybody wants, including the team and the drivers, of course, and, uh, and, and the fun. I mean, uh, if we want a good championship, it has been... We need to... Because if we start a championship, we know already the winner. What's yeah. the point? You know, so well, let's see. It looks like uh, the ACO and the FIA they wanted to change it, so this is good, and uh, and I hope it will be fair all the year. This weekend, or I keep calling it a weekend. It's not a weekend. There are two days in the middle of the week. I'm sure you've done the same. But have you had an opportunity to drive the one and the three car? Because your name is against both, or has it yes. been the concentration on one car? No, no. I did. Uh, I did both. Uh, both of them it was really few laps for me, honestly, and uh, always in difficult conditions. To be honest, uh, either with the three or the one, uh, when it was uh, or the hottest or with uh, bad tires, but. There is someone that I have to do. That, um, I, I, do I don't want to say the bad job because it's uh, it's amazing what we are doing, but let's say uh, not the not the best uh, moment on the track yeah, with yeah. the best tires with the best fuel. I was doing kind of uh, yeah uh, going uh, when it was super hot and uh, you know so this is uh, this is something we have to do to know better in in case this happen uh, next year. So. Well, when the team asks me something, I always do it, and I'm here for the team, uh, and uh, yes, so I'm work with, so I did. Gustavo Menezes has just said, one of the guys you've been driving with these past few days, just said that actually the conditions out there, driving-wise, would have been tougher than Sebring, and Sebring was hot this year, back in March, but both in the, the ride of the car because of this track surface maybe or just the change of direction that it offers particularly the end of this lap I'm not a fan of the end of this lap yeah. it's far too Mickey Mouse we would say well this is for sure uh, we don't have so many tracks like that on the calendar it's uh, but but we can test many things too 
and regarding the the weather for me it was super hot it was crazy like almost nowhere uh, we don't we can't feel so much but it's a lot of humidity as well mm. and in the cockpit it's like no air you can't breathe uh, do you know what temperature it is in that cockpit do you have a reading i have no idea for me it's 100 degrees <laughs> but no no it was it was really hot and uh, i did a long stint uh, and the long let's say uh, um, i went two times on the on cars so one time on car three one time on car one yeah. and it was uh, for a long time so yeah it's uh, more suffering than Sebring Sebring was hard but here it's even harder I think so there's only really so far you can take the information you gain these t- past two days into the new season because I mean, it's not relevant at all to Silverstone Silverstone's a nice place never gets this hot in, in August well uh, maybe we can see some snow also in Silverstone <laughs> uh, we never know but uh, it can be a, like a surprise uh, well, yeah, we can have maybe Bahrain, but I, I guess it's going to be a bit cooler. Uh, Sao Paulo, I think, is, uh, is, is super hot um, with a lot of humidity. Well, well, we never know. And anyway, it's, uh, it's uh, knowledge that the, the team and uh, Michelin as well uh, can take. And that's why it's some testing we... Uh, I mean, it's always worth it to do. Uh, obviously, I would have preferred to run on a cooler moment, yeah. definitely. But uh, this is like this. And finally, then looking forward, what do you need to now do? You've you've proven your pace in the car, in both cars. Is it a matter of just waiting now for the final decision, or can there's more that you can do to, to influence it? To be honest, uh, it's not under my hands, so I think uh, I, I don't really know to be honest because uh, I think it will be very difficult, at least uh, from my side, to judge uh, what uh, I mean. To put a fair comparison, if you are not on the same moment on the track, it's always difficult to, to compare. So this is the role of the engineers. Yes. So hopefully they do a good choice. Because and they know what, what time of day you went out, what sort of tyres you went out in, what kind of setup the car was on, and they have to adjust their reading of your performance that way. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. I mean, uh, this is obvious. And also you have a lot of traffic. So what you, what you do when you are in a good lap and... Uh, so it's not uh, all about uh, the lap time. It's all about, I think, it's about many, many things. And, uh, and uh, yeah, again, it's not my call. Uh, I wish I can stay in this team, definitely. And uh, if it's not the case, well, this is life. Uh, and I hope to find a, a good, uh, good seat somewhere else. Well, we look forward to the decision, Nat. And uh, I hope you're involved, whichever yes, way it may be. And all the best for the new season. Thank you. Thank you, mate. So uh, a team uh, back for the WEC again and a team that uh, is well known to European Le Mans Series fans is racing team Nederland with their familiar number 29 on the side of the, the, side of the Orica. Um, it's also a familiar driving lineup. Fritz van Eerd joins me. I, I'm not from the Netherlands. Tell me how to say your name correctly. No, you do it correctly. It's okay, Fritz van Eerd. You do it. Yeah, it's great. Simple as that. Um, we, also, we also know your car, Fritz, as the Jumbo car because, of course, that's your business back at home. Yeah, yeah that's correct. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, actually in the, I'm actually in the supermarket business and uh, in my spare time and in my race car. So how, 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 how beautiful it is to be here the WEC driving an LP2 car, a great car, a great team, great drivers, and you know you can see you can see me. I've been yes. working really, really hard. It's it's hot, but on the other hand, this is so competitive. I have to give every inch and every 
every little bit of energy to push out, to squeeze out some good lap times. But that's that's what it's all about. This is real sports, and uh, you know what it even makes it even more beautiful for me is that it, we go all over the world. We go to Asia, we go to Japan, you know, America, South America. You know, this this couldn't be better. And actually, these temperatures that we're, we're experiencing today and yesterday could be useful when we get to places like Sao Paulo and Sebring and, and, Sil- and Silverstone. And Not. No, Silverstone. Bahrain, certainly, yes. <laughs> Silverstone will be cloudy, I guess, <laughs> but uh, that's fine. Yes. Uh, last year, we had a few races in the wet. And, uh, and the snow. And even snow. That's unbelievable, but true. So uh, I think we had it all. And for me, this is, will be my third season in the LMP2 uh, car. Uh, my first season was the ELMS, and uh, last year, of course, the WAC. And uh, the good thing about this for me as a bronze driver, because I'm not a professional, um, is to get used to things, used to the field, used to the competition, used to the power and uh, everything you need to know to do this right. So uh, it feels really good and really good to, to be uh, beyond this new team. TDS is taking care of us. Uh, we switched from David Tech to TDS. You know, David Tech did a great job. We did 15 races with Adelara and we managed to finish 15 races. But, um, you know, this is next step, next step car, next step team. And uh, it promises really something. And TDS actually come to these two days with fantastic success at the weekend in the ELMS because the G-Drive racing car that was victorious run by that team. So you get the feeling you're with the right guys here. Yeah, you're saying absolutely the right things. This is uh, not only uh, last weekend, but I think they have, uh, they have a great track record. They did some fantastic things and uh, I'm hungry, very hungry as a person to be once in my life, to be on the podium of the WAC. So hopefully it's going to work out for me. One final decision remains to be done, I understand, and that's the tyres that you're going to be on because you've had a sample of both Michelin and Goodyear. Any decision made yet? Well, I leave it with the team uh, because uh, the engineers, they know exactly what we need. We've been testing Dunlops and the Goodyears the last two days and also Aragon. We've been doing a lot of testing. But, of course, it's not as obvious as we hope. It's, it's all very close. So I think to make a good decision, ask the engineers, ask the team. They know what's the best for us, and uh, we will see. But that suggests, because the Goodyear is a brand new uh, compound. I think they've brought six compounds here yeah. this weekend. Um, that suggests it's actually a very good tyre straight out the box. I, I, absolutely, absolutely. That's true. But uh, on the other hand, Michelin also uh, popped up with a complete new tyre. So, ah, okay. <laughs> so it's an equal race, effectively. Uh, uh, sure, absolutely. And, and, uh, and, and the thing will be, what's the best for what track? Uh, um, so it's uh, some calculations have to be made you need the regulations to allow you to switch back and forth maybe when you need it but that's that's not the way things no no it's, I think it's about partnership and you need the good the good support from a tyre supplier and uh, I think it's not a good idea to give them the feeling that we might switch you make a choice or it needs to be really bad that it's a, uh, that's a disaster but uh, I'm sure that's not going to happen All right, well, we look forward to that ultimate decision, maybe at Silverstone, which tyres you're going to be running on. And also, here's to a great season back back in the WEC. Thank you, Fritz. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. I had to, at some point, swing by Cinetech Alpine with a a new sponsor for the new season as well. I have to get used to saying Cinetech Alpine Elf Elf. rather than the previous name that we've had in the past. But a really good season. I mean, last month, first of all, another victory at Le Mans. 
and uh, it was a championship win partly because of that win at Le Mans as well to give you enough points to win the LMP2 category so I'm delighted to say that Andre Negrao has taken a few minutes to have a word with me they always say don't change a winning team but you've actually got two new drivers alongside you for this campaign yeah definitely is fantastic here last year it's kind of hard actually because our team is not the best lineup ever compared to the others uh, in fact we never own a six hour of other races we just won Le Mans 2018 yeah. and 2019 all the rest we P2, P3 P2, P3 so it's kind of <laughs> um, hard for us because we never won other races just the two big ones but it's enough for, for the championship we won the championship as well but, uh, but that, I mean, that does say that you've got consistency, though, because you've got the ability. A, a DNF is very costly, but if you can finish second and third, I mean, I know plenty of people that have won championships without actually winning a race in in single driver format. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. That's I think that is the the target for every every racing car, ever for the for the drivers as well. Is just being constantly all the races, like you said. If you had DNF, that's it, zero points. But you stay P4, P5, just carrying points home. In the end, you can fight for the championship. And that's what we, we do last year. Mm-hmm. And, of course, just this beginning of 19. And, like you said before, yeah, I lost my two teammates that won for me a lot of races in Chuleman. But I'm uh, excited to start a new chapter of Signatel uh, Alpine. New name, two new, team, uh, two new teammates for, for 1920. I think we can do very well. Uh, I think it's nothing. Why not? You know, and uh, ready, ready to go fighting again. We start in just one month in Silverstone. So excited! It will be upon us very, very quickly. Will Silverstone? I'm sure. Uh, Eight cars in the class. I think that's one up from last year. So it it promises to be very competitive. A lot of Orica zero sevens, as you would imagine. Uh, Just the one. Alpine, but that kind of is an Orica when you scratch beneath the surface. I think it's very similar to the, the cars nearby. Mm-hmm. And the one, the Lara from Cetelar racing, the Italian guys. But I mean, with effectively seven Oricas in the entry, it's guaranteed to be very, very close all year, right? Definitely, definitely. Uh, we have some teams like United in the past, they use Ligier. So when they turn to Oreca, we know straight away that should be a really good team. Also, Team Netherlands with the Vries and all the lines, it was, should be really good now. And we saw in the prologue that we are, they, these guys going really, really fast. And, okay, Jota, Jackie Chan, we know already. Cool racing with my teammate, Nicola Pierre, now, mm-hmm. so it should be good. Uh, so, it should be really interesting this year. Uh, should be really tough as well for, ev- for everybody. Because, you know, it's just Wandalara, all the rest is Oreca. Yeah. Apart of us, okay, it's Alpine, but it's still Oreca. It's the same thing. So it should be interesting. It should be a nice championship. And, I mean, apart, the, apart from the reason that there's, the, there's been a driver shuffle around is that you were always a silver in the past, and you are now gold, and that's presumably because you are the world champion, so you have to go up a grade? Or is it, are we now into the second year of, of you being gold? Uh, actually, I've just been silver in the first year, 2017. Okay. And then... So 18, I, 19, you always 18, were gold. 18, is gold already. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the difference now is that Pierre Rag kind of comes home, if you like, back to mm-hmm. the team that he used to race with. Had a great weekend just gone here at yeah. Barcelona in the ELMS with a really good stint, I thought, for Duquesne. 
So you've got a very quick silver driver there. Yeah, oh, definitely. No, definitely Pierre Hag is a good teammate. Uh, he knows the car very well. He knows the traffic. Yeah. He's doing Le Mans for a couple of times. I don't know how many times he do Le Mans, but uh, I think more than more than six. So he knows everything to win the races. So it's a good opportunity to put all the package together and try to win again. Why not? And Thomas Leroy, I mean, I seem to remember him, I definitely remember him, at a Road to Le Mans event five years ago, maybe, when he was in an LMP3 with Ivan Muller's team. And he rocked up with a guy called Jan Erlacher, who's now gone into World TCRs. Andre, uh, uh, Alexandre Cugnot, who now drives LMP2 as well. This was like the new class coming in. And Laurent has just skyrocketed. He's gone through LMP3 to LMP2 to now a Toyota reserve driver. Uh, and he can't I think he's now left Rebellion which means he can't race in LMP1 so it means that you guys gain him actually he's um, yeah he's a third driver from, from Toyota reserve yeah. driver so he's doing the simulator and some tests with Toyotas uh, and then of course full time with us when you're on the track with the WEC okay. he's our teammate definitely 100% and uh, and Fulema as well Perfect. Uh, so definitely, this is the the lineup for us. So me, him, and Pierre Hug. So, but for him, it should be good as well because sometimes, it, like now, yesterday he was here in the LMP2, and today he's in the Toyota. So it's a kind of I don't know if it's, I never drove the Toyota, so it's completely. I think it's a completely different car mm. from the LMP2 and the Toyota. They have the hybrid system, four wheel drive, so it's completely different. For so for him to switch. LMP2, LMP1 should be a little bit difficult, but nothing special. Mm-hmm. And for him, it's good to, get, to go in the simulator, use the simulator of Toyota, just to get prepared for series on in other races. Uh, should be help as well. Do you think that you can get some advice from Thomas about where the Toyotas would like to pass you as an LMP2 car in terms, or do you already kind of you, you already have knowledge of that? No, I, I know. I, I think I know now. I think. Toyota is, we have to be, be careful actually from LMP2 because the Toyotas cut a lot of before the turn in and the braking, like 200 meters, 150 meters yeah, before. Yeah. So to get the power for the hybrid system. To get the power of the hybrid system. So this is, we have to pay attention because when the rear lights is flashing, is because they off of the throttle. So have to be, be careful of that. And then, of course, if you they are behind you, you're braking, they have to stay behind you. It depends on the track, of course. Yeah. And then acceleration, 100, 1,000 horsepower, they just disappear, you know. So it's no problem. And the, the, the final kind of discussion topic these past few days, as far as LMP1 is concerned, is this equivalence of technology, which will theoretically change the performance of whoever may be the championship leader. So if Toyota win the first three races, they then should be made slower by the officials, by ACO, because of weight or changing the turbo boost, things like that. Do you think that's something that you'll be have to be knowledgeable of as an LMP2 driver? Because all of a sudden, LMP1s may start to behave a little differently as they balance the performance of the cars. Um, maybe yes. The, the, pro- the problem is, um, it's so different between LMP2 and LMP1 private and LMP1 hybrid. The difference is so big because here, I don't know for some reason, is not the gap is not so big. But when you arrive in Silverstone, they are like five, six seconds faster than us. Faster than you guys. Faster than LMP2. Yeah. So it's okay. 
in case they are broken or they are cracked, okay, we can win the race. Otherwise, it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Almost impossible. It's a different kind of car. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's complicated. But races is races. You know, something can happen. Like in two thousand, I think two thousand seventeen, all the three Toyotas is broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but, but uh, what I'm saying is, if if you get maybe Toyota win Silverstone and then they go on and win the next round, which is Fuji, Fuji, and they win Shanghai. There is a chance then for the next round in Bahrain that they will port 50 kilos on the Toyota. The ACO may may do that. They may try to because they have set the ACO and the FIA have said for this final season of the current rules they would like to see a fair fight between Toyota, Janetta, and Rebellion. Okay. So if you get all of a sudden a Toyota that breaks even earlier than you expect, that could be something for an LMP2 driver to have to to adjust to. I, th- I think yes in this case yes if they are like I don't know two seconds just faster than us mm. is something that we All can sudden, yeah. yeah it's something that we can okay not fight fair no. but in the straight because you they cut it, right? yeah, yeah definitely because in the straight they cut a lot so if they are I don't know just two seconds in front of us in terms of average yeah. you can fight a little bit more yeah. you know it should be more interesting also for us yeah. and for the for the crowd yeah so it should be nice, be interesting. I think it will be. I think you know the ACO have finally understood this final season before Hypercar. Let's have a bit of fun with the regulations, and we're all for that. Andre, I wish you all the best for the new season. Thank, Thank you, you so much for taking the few few minutes to, to uh, chat to us. And Cine Tech Alpine, it could be another great season for you. We look forward to it. I hope so. Thank you very much. Thanks. A little bit further up the pit lane, uh, offering a splash of. Janetta Orange, which I think is very welcome, frankly, because I'm getting bored of all these all-white or all-black trucks, so I instantly know where Janetta are based for this weekend. First of all, Lawrence Tomlinson, it is cracking to have you back. Um, For those that perhaps dropped in and out of WEC last year, it was a fleeting appearance for Janetta, but um, this feels like the real deal this time around. Just give us an idea of the the, the chronology prior to this date. Uh, Yeah, so... um we started designing the the LMP1 car, I think, kind of uh, mid-2017 would be my guess, and uh, we've spent months and months and months in the wind tunnel at Williams and um, and doing CFD with a couple of companies that have been very helpful and uh, came up with a very good design of a car, which uh, I think we launched, launched at Autosport. 2018, well, I guess I've probably lost lost track of dates. I'm rubbish with dates. Not too bad with cars, but rubbish with dates. <laughs> anyway, long story short, um, we yeah we announced that um, Manor uh, would uh, run the car as uh, which Graham and Graham Loudon and uh, John Booth uh, were running as a TRSM, which was in conjunction with a Chinese uh, company, and unfortunately uh, they had the entry TRSM uh, didn't. Pay manner, I guess something. I don't know really the ins and outs of it, but um, fundamentally they didn't live up to their promise. So we couldn't get our hands on the entry to run the car. We did try, um, so it resulted in a, a very awkward season. And then we uh, we had an engine supplier who also uh, really didn't didn't deliver uh, what to uh, what we were expecting. And so now we've made some changes and we've uh, we've gone with AR. And you can see, uh, we're, generally, we've been testing a lot with Toyota, Rebellion, and SMP, and uh, the cars right on the pace. And uh, sometimes we're a little bit faster in a sector than Toyota, which is really encouraging. Um, 
and the only thing we've really changed is the engine so uh, you know it's called motor racing for a reason and now we've got an AR motor and uh, it's going well what's really nice for us is um, it's the first time well since we've put the AR engine in it's the first time we've actually ever been able to test the car properly and do some long runs because we had really bad reliability issues and uh, obviously power issues with the other motor so um, yeah the car's getting quicker we've got loads of time to come out of the car because the chassis is probably three years behind development of the uh, the Rebellion and uh, and the SMP car um, and certainly uh, the Toyota's rather advanced <laughs> Uh, but, and we'll probably move on to this in a second, but there's a, there is the high chance of them being pegged back through the course of the season, which is exciting. Um, the AER engine has been seen in, in another car, i.e. the SMP racing machine. We don't have those two, sadly, going into the new season. But I think by the, the end of last season, they were running the C-spec version of the AER power plant, which is the one that you've got in the back of these Genetas. Yeah, we've never had the C-spec until uh, this this meeting. Uh, so we've always run the B spec. Uh, C spec has been, you know, touch wood. I am touching wood here. Uh, spectacularly reliable. Uh, obviously, SMP went, uh, did the 24 hours and finished uh, not very far, really, behind Toyota. Um, so yeah, the, we we may we will see uh, the winning cars, uh, not necessarily a Toyota, obviously, uh, being pegged back throughout the WEC season. And from what I can gather in the in the paperwork, it looks like everybody will ha- spend the same time in the pits, mm. uh, because obviously Toyota had an advantage. Um, well, you know, through their technology and the amount of money they've spent in in the project and how good they are, uh, they've gained an advantage where they probably through pit stops they were, I would guess, roughly about four laps ahead of anyone before you even took the flag. So that that should go with the new regulations and the EOT for Le Mans. You know the the fastest ten laps weren't a Toyota. They, uh, I, th- I believe, the fastest ten laps were the Rebellion. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yes, uh, because the Rebellion, obviously, and presumably your car as well, will make its speed in different ways. Because the Toyota sort of runs out of power partway down the Mulsanne Straight after it's deployed all its hybrid. Uh, power through the front axle it sort of gets to a top speed and then can't go any faster whereas the LMP1 non-hybrids continue to accelerate uh, beyond the Toyota's reach yeah and I think that's why the racing could be really spectacular because it, it would be the Toyota is going to come out of the uh, Mulsanne uh, chicanes yes. one and two and just zoom off and obviously um, its top speed is going to be less so you're going to be end- heading into uh, the braking zone um, with very varying speeds and um, lots of exciting braking to do um, the, the high speed uh, aero on our car is really spectacular um, people who drive it is just amazed by it you know, last year, last year at Le Mans, the uh, Mike Simpson had never been to Le Mans before, and third time through, he was flat through the Porsche curves. So you know, he said, he said it, it didn't affect my neck; it's just my face kept distorting, so I couldn't <laughs> see properly, which was kind of hilarious uh, picture he painted. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've we've uh, we're excited about Le Mans. We're excited about WEC. Um, we're going to do everything we can to be there for the full season, and you know we. If we do run the two cars full season, I think we probably would get a um, third car entry if we wish to took it up, take it up for Le Mans, so we could maybe run another car. And th- this will please so many British fans now, Ginetta owners and other types of people too, because you know Silverstone's the opening round, so everyone will probably 
I'm sure many many Genetta fans will head there now, knowing that you're going to be there for the four hours. And particularly, you know, when everyone makes the pilgrimage down to Le Mans next next summer, there's all the more reason to be there now. Yeah, well, I, th- I don't sort of say it's uh, a British race held in France because there's that many British spectators go down to Le Mans. The key thing for me is, as a sports car fan, as well as a team owner and factory owner, is that you know it's the racing and the exciting closeness of sports car racing we see that in in gt gt pro class or gte pro class whatever it's called now i would have called it gt2 being an old bugger but uh yeah so you know you see how close that is and that's what the aco and the fi want fia want to see at the front in lmp1 we also see in lmp2 so um we don't want to see the race one in the pits uh, because of a strategy we want to see it run uh, on the race and and really great drivers going toe-to-toe in some super spectacular uh, LMP1 equipment so that's what we're aiming to try and do um, we've been testing all sorts of drivers over the last nine days and we shall make an announcement on what we're doing at Silverstone and who's driving uh, in about two weeks excellent but I, I mean I noticed people like Matthias Besch, uh, Stefan Rekelmi, um, Yegor Rudchev, who I'm a massive fan of, uh, just about the fastest SMP driver at, at Le Mans, certainly. Um, I mean, you, you obviously got the contacts to be able to put out some feelers and, and get, get the right people in who may be out of work now because SMP are no more, certainly for the next season. Um, that seemed to be a hotbed of talent which you have managed to uh, get, you know, make use of. Well, interestingly, uh, now Igor's in, in the car as we speak right on now, track, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah the, that, and it's not just me picking the phone up to them, it's us going testing alongside these drivers. And, you know, Aragon, when we tested the Michelin tyre test for the 2019 spec tyre, Rebellion were there and uh, so were SMP, and they saw us just drop this car out of the truck from the factory with Mike and Charlie, who, you know, in the best will in the world, they... Um, they're not Formula One drivers, so uh, they're not that well known uh, in Europe. And um, you know, matching their times, going toe to toe in a car that's just fallen out the back of a truck. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so they, they I, you know, they could see the speed of the car, and also yes. drivers talk. So yes. they're saying, "Oh my God, this car is so easy to drive. I'm comfortable in it. It's got huge amount of aero. It does its time in a way. I feel comfortable as a driver. Really enjoy pushing it." And then they look at the times and they think, you know, wow, um, we can uh, we we can get, uh, you know, we can en- enjoy this car. And more importantly, it looks like a car that if we develop it, it will will or can beat Rebellion and beat SMP. Unfortunately, SMP have, uh, are not racing this year, um, but they can see that. And obviously, then you look at it and you think, well, actually, you know, if if the quickest car at Le Mans wasn't a Toyota and they're all equal on pit stops it's actually down to racing on track and the equipment you're in plus how good your drivers are and your team so I, I, I think drivers are excited about it there are certain people I've picked the phone up to and contacted and there are certain people who contacted me yes. um, you know I think Stefan Sarazan's a perfect example you know it's an absolute honour to have him in the car yeah, with some, with such prowess, formerly with uh, with Peugeot and then Toyota, and and then SMP more recently. But I mean, you know, he's a he's a long distance race specialist. So I'm sure Sarazan is. Uh, I mean, educational for you guys as well to know where to go next with the car. I suppose. Um, can I just finish a little chat with LMP3 because yeah. four cars 
unveiled during the Le Mans weekend, and one of which is a Ginetta. So coming back to LMP3, you were officially the the first LMP3 champions in the European Le Mans series. Um, great looking car, first of all. I'm sure interest is very high as a result of that launch. Yeah, interest is very high. Uh, everybody wants to see it run, and um, just before we left uh, England on the the uh, powertrain arrived from Orica mm-hmm. so we've just received the powertrain so we'll be able to run the car probably in a couple of weeks time I think and uh, we're very confident because we well, it sounds a bit cocky and I, I hope it doesn't but it's just the guys have worked so hard on it um, we've used the same team that have done the LMP1 car okay. and we've spent six months like we did on the on the LMP1 car with the LMP3 car looking at aero we have such an amazing correlation now between the software and what happens in the wind tunnel uh, we know the L over D figures the lift over drag figures or or downforce over drag as you would be which is there's a holy grail of any car and um, you know we're super excited uh, it's been designed specifically kind of on, on the bodywork upgrade regulations for 2020 um, so yeah we we, st- we started the LMP3 in 2014. There was only Ginetta doing it, and uh, we we carried the flag 2015, won, won the championship with uh, Chris Hoy and, uh, and Charlie Robertson, yeah, which was great. Um, and then, you know, the other, the other teams, Ligier, uh, the other manufacturers, Ligier, had a full year to develop their car uh, and homologate it. And then Norma, so they were... You know, tough opposition, but also then Norma did the same thing on them. So, it, I kind of think that if if Lewis had to race Bottas in a 2014 Mercedes, he'd struggle. So, uh, what we've got now with the 2020 regulations is uh, a, a homologation of everything, everybody at the same time within a, a month or two of each other. So, it's it's redrawn the uh, the date the, the datum's been reset. And now it's up to us to see how it is. But yeah, the, the car looks good. Um, you know, I think the LMP1 looks good. It's got the same kind of family resemblance to it, and uh, we're excited about that. Yeah, see, so want to see, so we want to see some good teams in ELMS. We want to some, see some good teams in Road to Le Mans. And actually, I'm not. I'm really only interested at this moment in selling cars to teams that can give me the results for Ginetta. Obviously, it gives them the results. Um, which is what they want to attract drivers. So I'm, you know, the teams that I and sounds conceited. I, I, I hope it's not it doesn't doesn't. I don't want it to sound that way. But you know, I want to sell the cars to teams that want to win and can win, not just people who are buying cars to turn up yeah. at this moment in time. Because mm. I just want to. I just want to prove the. Uh, I just want to prove that uh, how how good the car is. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to be like LMP1 and running them all myself. <laughs> yeah, I know it's in, in LMT uh, orange, and they're all turning up in the same yeah. same paint scheme. But I mean, just knocking around. I think it was a, the Toka Paddock at Alton Park uh, at the end of June, and word is already around there in the Super, you know, G55 Super Cup camp yeah. and Ginetta Juniors as well. We we have seen British teams come through, like Nielsen Racing and 360 Racing, who've come, who've come from things like Radicals mm-hmm. to race Normas and Ligier. I mean, do you, do you see that? from the club level of racing this is a real attraction because the costs aren't huge on top of what you might pay for a, for a season within the British Touring Car Championship as a support race 
Well, I think it, if you know doing a full season in EIMS, it's not it's not dirt cheap to of do it. Not. But um, but it might be a natural next step if someone wants to go to the next level. I mean, Ginetta have always been about a motorsport ladder, whether it's from fourteen year olds coming through juniors going into GT five. Super Cup, GT4, GT3, LMP1, LMP3, you know, that's yeah. that's a nat- natural progression. So we tendered for the LMP2 contract in, well, whenever it was, three or four years ago. Uh, we didn't get that, and uh, quite honestly, uh, we probably didn't deserve to get it because we didn't have a track record of being able to produce a competitive P2 car. We had produced the P3 car. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, with, the, with what we're doing with the LMP1, I think we're showing that technically we're right up there at the absolutely global level. Ginetta's at the global level of, of world sports cars. You know, we are able to do and would be able to do a hypercar for someone. You know, an OEM coming to us, we could produce a hypercar at quite handy money. <laughs> and uh, it would be super competitive or we can continue as we're doing with the LMP1 in, in that category as well. So we seem to try and we're trying to have a kind of a car for every person and every rung in that ladder i mean we've got other people go different routes so you know uh, five years ago lando norris was in a winning his first race in a janetta junior so we've got charlie robertson who won janetta juniors and now is in an lmp1 car so you you do have really good success stories and you're talking about the british touring car paddock if you look in that paddock it's roughly very roughly 50 percent of every driver uh, that's in that paddock whether it's on the touring car package Clio's or Minis or wherever it's goes you know half of them have generally either come through the Ginetta ladder or raced Ginettas at some point great record and uh, long may it continue into the into the next stage as I say it's uh, it was a, a stunted season last year but we're really looking forward to uh, this this campaign as team LNT as we go forward thank you Lawrence Oh, thanks very much. We're, we're, as I say, super excited to be on the package. I like being down here at uh, Team LNT because if you sit here for long enough, then drivers actually come to you to be interviewed, <laughs> which is very useful. Charlie Robertson's dropped by. I've just had a word with uh, with Lawrence Tomlinson. Um, great to be back, I would imagine, because we saw a bit of Janetta in the previous season. Um, but this is, you know, the right engine now, the right uh, team entrant, and the first round's in the UK so we're going to get a load of British fans hopefully coming to support Janetta yeah it is it is great to be back and you know it's 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 been a real sort of tough off off season obviously not not doing a whole season last year and not having the you know the best package and now to have the the AR engine um, on board the the Janetta LMP1 car it's made a huge difference and you know it's really boosted morale uh, with with the team um, and to to be under the team LNT banner here in Barcelona at the at the prologue for the for the start of the season is is amazing. The car is a, a significant step forward from where we were before, and um, yeah, we're just having fun developing the car, uh, constantly improving it all the time. So we're just we're just still learning, um, and it is it is a bit of uh, unknown territory for us, but you know we're embracing it, and every time we get on the track, we find something new. So yeah, it's 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 really exciting. I've you know it's a pleasure to be part of it and um yeah hopefully it it has some good results you've already done some well quite a lot of mileage i understand at aragon that was a few weeks and months ago but you and mike simpson turned a lot of heads because it wasn't just your two cars there but there were other teams as well Uh, and that's a great basis now to go into i mean this is quite an early prologue and even gerard never said 
we might have gone a bit too early on this date and wouldn't it be nice for everybody else to have a proper off season and then maybe some sort of test session a week before Silverstone uh, and that might be included in future seasons but but even from Aragon to now do you feel like you've made some some good progress? Yeah absolutely I mean Aragon was really the first initial testing of the car with the with the new with the new AER so that was a, a real eye-opener especially for for Mike and, Mike and myself because we were used to the the power of the old engine and to get this uh, new powertrain yeah was 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 epic to be honest I mean we're pulling some crazy top speeds so it was um yeah it was very cool and we've also been to Spa and to um Paul Ricard in okay. the last few weeks and months so yeah we've got some good mileage under our belts and um you know we feel very comfortable in the car and, and the car is is nice to drive it's not a hard car it doesn't bite you when you know when it's on the edge so we're just trying to make it yeah just trying to dial some performance into it now really mm. which you know is is happening and it and it's and it's, it's responding to change as well so yeah we're looking forward to seeing what happens you've had various specs i think of the aer engine well the b and the c is it the c the first time that you've had that this last few days or have the did you run that at ricard no so this is the the c engine is in both cars for the first time this week so it's a bit of a step up again uh, obviously the temperatures uh, at the circuit this week i mean I've, i haven't driven in temperatures this high for a long time so uh, you know we're hitting sort of 36 37 degrees out there so you know the engines aren't producing the the, the peak power that they would be at a cooler temperature um but it's still yeah you can still feel a difference between the uh you know especially the, the initial pickup for, between the engines so yeah we're just enjoying being being part of the process with AER and, and those guys are yeah they're doing a, a proper job you know they know the absolute ins and outs of everything so you know you can come to them with a question or a, or a, you know a problem that you're not quite understanding something and, and they can explain it really well and and it's, it's they're really good to work with as well, and, and obviously so are the guys uh, within within Ginetta. It's been a, it's been epic to be really part of it as a as a factory because you know uh, Mike and I know all the guys during the week, uh, so the camaraderie between us is you know is strong and is a good team bond. And then to bring it to the track and and you know you know turn some heads really, it's it, yeah, it's great fun. I think everyone's a bit disappointed that SMP sadly have, have have decided not to continue at least with this next campaign to come. Does that mean that all the AER guys are now, though, at your disposal? So is it actually a benefit to you? Yeah, obviously, SMP have done a lot of development with, with that engine. Yes. So the the knowledge that the AER guys are bringing to to this package is, is phenomenal because they've seen everything before and, and most of the issues... You know they've they've done they've done the legwork really of SMP. So we're getting a very very good package. So you know our job basically is to now create a fast racing car. So we've got the you know we've got the power to do it. ARs run very reliably since we put it in the car. So you know we've got every confidence it's the it's the correct engine. Um, and so yeah now it's just about perfecting the the chassis and the suspension of the of the G60 and um, and hopefully we can prove some good results come Silverstone. We've got to wait a little bit longer for the official driver lineups to be made for the number five and the number six. But I mean, it can only be beneficial to have people like Stefan Sarazan, Matthias Besch, Yegor Rudchev, who I'm a big fan of, and, and Guy Smith. I mean, if none of those are signed up, at least you've had the expertise and the guidance from from very experienced prototype drivers to tell you guys what the, what they think of your car. Yeah, of course. Mike and I have been the main drivers for the last few tests and and since the car's sort of initial running. So. You know, we we feel like we are we're we're fast drivers in, in our own right, and then I'm not suggesting you're no, not. No, no, of course not. Of course not. But on the other hand, it's very very interesting to then see what people like Stefan can bring Sarazan and 
and you know see and see what they can apply to to what we already think. So it's good to almost you know they might say, oh no, try this, or you know we've tried something, and, and they say in fact go the opposite way, and and then it proves to work. So yeah, I think that's been beneficial from our perspective because you know we haven't driven this level of car before. I mean, I'm, uh, I've no doubt that we could be fast enough, but the experience level of people like Guy and Stefan, you know, is 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 massive. So it's it's really to be able to tap into their sort of experience over their careers um, is has been really good. I've I've sort of worked closely with Guy over the last few weeks when he was at, he was at Ricard as well. So yeah, it's been good to to hear what he's had to say and and the input that he's put into the into our car and. You know, it's, the thing is, we can try and optimise performance, which is ob- obviously an important thing for qualifying, but you need to have a fast race car. Yeah. So it's got to last, what, in some, what, in 24 hours at Le Mans. So it's, you know, you've got to have a car that can do a stint uh, at a fairly consistent level. And yes. um, I think that's where these guys really come into it because, you know, they, they know a fast race car when they see one, but to be able to dial one in to do uh, a longevity race um, is massively important. Um, finally, changing subject very slightly, the LMP3 car was seen for the first time at Le Mans last month. How much have you had uh, in, in terms of uh, developing that? Work? What you know, what's your your input been in that new chassis, if at all? Yeah, it's it's really been a, a steep learning curve uh, for us with LMP3 because well, we obviously did the initial car in, in 2015. Uh, well, that's, I mean, you can almost claim a little bit of ownership on LMP3 as being the, the very first champion in the European Le Mans series with you and, and Sir Chris Hoy yeah. in the old-shaped Ginetta. So I, I assumed you would have been part of the development team for the, for the brand-new car, which looks fantastic. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we've, we've definitely learned from, from the 2015 car. Yeah. Uh, the chassis is obviously the same, but then it's just mainly the, the, some, some issues we had with that car that we now know what we've learned from the P1 as well. Um, that we can then apply to it so it's I think it will be a, a very quick LMP3 car so I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes um, but in terms of on track testing once again it will be Mike and I and, 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 and pushing to get that car fast and then in, it mainly has just been feedback from, from the old car um, to develop the new one so we've kind of know what the weak points of our old car are and we've just basically yeah gone on and then created this one Good stuff. Thank you, Charlie, for dropping by. Um, and uh, it's exciting times, I think, for for Janetta fans and also for those that, that want a close fight in LMP1 because, uh, you know, the, the way that the equalisation, the equivalence of technology is potentially going to go, race wins may well be possible, certainly in the six-hour races. Do, I mean, would you agree with that later on in the season? Yeah, I think once we know where our car's at and uh, how hard we can push, I think there's no reason why we can't fight for top step. That just about wraps things up from here at Circuit de Catalunya Barcelona, nearing the end of day two then of the two-day World Endurance Championship uh, pre-season prologue. As you can tell, cars are still very much out on track though because there's a good 90 minutes still to go in this evening session. Um, Great to catch up with as many LMP2 and LMP1 drivers as we did. I think it's exciting times ahead of Junetta's return as well. And uh, LMP2, although, yes, we've only got one more car since last year, or compared to last year, but an eight-car field in LMP2 could be very exciting, particularly as United Autosports have now made the move to a brand-new Orica 07 chassis. Apologies we missed out on Kevin Esch and uh, Michael Christensen, the new uh, world champions at GTE Pro level. Um, Quite eerie to go down to the GT end of the pit lane at about sort of one two o'clock in the afternoon to see actually not a lot of race cars but instead 
very large flight cases and uh, racing cars in certain states have undressed because uh, they were starting to pack down early, uh, mainly because a lot of their drivers have already made the journey to Spa in readiness for the 24-hour this weekend. So possibly going forward when this event is thought about in 2020, maybe a complete avoidance of a date clash from uh, the event this weekend would be ideal. And the suggestion from Gerard Neveu anyway to try and make it a slightly longer off-season, i.e. summer, when we move forward into the hypercar regulations. But hopefully that gives you a flavour of uh, the teams that are going to be involved in the brand new campaign 2019-2020. And remember that if you are a Radio Show Limited fan based in the UK or not very far away from there, then the opening round will be at Silverstone at the end of August. So the 30th and 31st of August, together with the 1st of September for the four hours of the WEC, four hours of Silverstone for the WEC. And uh, that meeting set to be a a great event because we'll have a, a Saturday ELMS race as well to look forward to. Thank you for your company for the past couple of prologue programmes and a reminder that if you missed the first of them, which was a focus on the GTE AM element of the entry, plus a little bit of GT Pro thrown in for good measure, then that is available now on the podcasts to listen back to at your leisure. Beyond that, it just remains for me to say uh, we hope that you're at Silverstone. Of course, it'll receive the full Radio Show Limited treatment over all three days and uh, Friday the practice session, Saturday the ELMS race, Sunday will be the opening round of the 2019-2020 WEC for Season 8. From Barcelona, from Johnny Palmer, it's the bye This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.